0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Nothing is impossible with God. Have you heard that before, that phrase before? And if you have heard it, or maybe if this is the first time, do you really believe that? You know, in my life I have seen many things, I've read about many things, and personally experienced things that have told me that this is true, that I can do anything with the love, help, and grace of God. And we have seen this over the last several weeks from the readings that we have had here in church. We saw that Noah saved his family and animals on the ark, and that seemed like an impossible task. Abraham and Sarah were barren for many, many years in their old age, but God made it possible for them to conceive a child. The Israelites were held captive in Egypt, but God provided for them in their escape from the Egyptians and their long journey in the desert. And God taught them to be a community. So I wonder... What is the impossible thing that you hear God whispering to you this Lenten season? What impossible work or mission have you felt called to take on or to be a part of? Because nothing is impossible with God. God does need our help to be God's hands and feet in this world. God needs our heart, our trust, our help... The kind of love and devotion that Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Moses gave to God. Do we believe that the impossible can become possible? Well, nothing is impossible with God. Also, what are your hopes and dreams for this church? Even if they sound completely impossible... Because the impossible can happen. And we have read that over and over and over again in the Bible. A man can survive a flood. A barren woman can become pregnant. A community can escape persecution and survive in the desert. God enters into our human life through a child. And forgiveness and eternal life is given to all humanity. This child. Who would have ever thought it possible that human nature, as sinful as it is, could be changed? But nothing is impossible with God, and that is our hope. I don't know what impossible thing you need to have happen in your life or in your home, but I do know that nothing is impossible with God. I also know that Easter is coming. And with it, the impossible does come to us again. Death is defeated. No longer do we need to worry about our salvation. God loves the whole world that He gave His only Son, Jesus, to die for us. This is the gift that comes to you and to me. It comes to us even in the midst of our pain, our brokenness, and facing the impossible. And that's what we have seen throughout Scripture and throughout time, right? The impossible with Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Moses. The disciples. David. You know, we read a story about David today. David was the youngest in his family and he was unlike the rest. He was small and undersized and young to join the army. And he had a beautiful voice, so he was utilizing his gifts. And God used him to do great, great things in his life. Today we read that David expresses his desire to build a house or or a temple or or as we might call a church for God. A place where people can come and worship and experience the presence of God in their life. But God has other things in mind. Instead of building a house out of wood or, or stone... Instead, God decides to build a house out of human lives in which God's presence is made known to the world. And this is a promise given from God to David in the form of a covenant. God promises to make God's self known to the world through David. God promises that the lineage of the Messiah will start with David and go down until Jesus comes. Jesus for us is the true house of God, the place, the person in which we have come to know the presence, grace, and love of God. So David thinks that what they need, instead of this temporary tent, they need to build a house for God. So he calls the prophet Nathan and tells Nathan of this idea or this dream that David has to build a house. And Nathan says to to David without talking to God, well, this is great, let's go for it. Later that night though, Nathan gets word from God. The word is basically that God hasn't asked for a house and doesn't need one. God's presence, God's grace, God's love is not found in a building. God has not had a temple since the time in Egypt and the wilderness wanderings and did not feel any need for one now. God's presence moved with the people wherever they were. Wherever they worshipped, God was present with them. God cannot be confined to any one place or building. This is an attempt for David to kind of put God in a box. To limit God. And to control God. And we see this happening. We see this happening throughout the Bible and even today. Today. Many churches have had conversations about buildings. There are more and more churches closing their buildings or, or joining with other churches. Sound familiar? And This process is hard. But there is a balance between faithfulness to a building versus being the hands and feet of God in the world. That is the lesson that David is learning, and that is a lesson that we can learn too. God does not need to live in a house made with hands. God's too powerful to be confined to one place or another. And that's just the point. You know, on the one hand, we need places like buildings of worship where God can be praised, where we can come together to show our love to God and to one another. But on the other hand, God is everywhere. And such places can... Can serve as reminders to us of God in the world. You know, we, we come together to worship, to praise with, where two or three are gathered. So, places of worship and buildings do have a place and a purpose. But the real question behind the text in today's readings are where can we find God? Where does God choose to be made known? And the answer is God chooses to be made known through our lives, through you and through me. You know, God could have stayed up in the heavens, up in the clouds where we cannot see God. Instead, God chooses to come down and to be one of us. A house is not good enough. God wants you and God wants me and God wants to have a relationship with us. And that's why we have Jesus. That's why there was a child born in a manger who grew up and told us that God wanted to live in us to be a part of our lives. So we have come to this point where we gather together and we invite God to be in this space with us in worship. And we ask God to lead us and guide us wherever we need to go. But then what? After worship is over and we leave the church, do we take God with us or do we leave Him here? You see, the promises that God made with David and to us is, I will establish the throne of His kingdom forever. And your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. What began as a promise to David's son Solomon that he would be blessed and and build a temple, has turned into something completely different. It's the promise of an everlasting, of a never-ending kingdom. You know, another son of David will rule forever through this everlasting house, and that is Jesus Christ. So we have the promise that God is with us and that Jesus will rule in our churches, in our homes, and in our lives. And this is why we know that nothing is impossible with God. And what would it mean for us to continue to talk with one another about what it means to be the church and to actually live that out in our lives? You know, as you think and as you pray about what it means to be the church, keep in mind that nothing is impossible with God. That anything we can imagine the church will be is possible Because we have a God that makes the impossible possible. We also have a God of promise. To always be with us, to always love us, to always guide us, to always help create the life we want to live. A life where we can support one another, to love one another, and to spread the good news of God's unconditional love to the world. Amen.